Hi, lovey. Welcome to the Coming Out Gold podcast. I'm Coach Tammy, a life coach and strategist determined to encourage, empower, and equip women so they can live the lives they were meant to live before the world told them they weren't enough. Once you shake off the sack of shoulds you've been handed, you'll be ready to embark on a journey where you start creating the life of your dreams. It's time for you to step into your power, break up with false narratives, and learn how to come out gold. And I'll be here to walk with you every step of the way. If you have been around for more than a minute, then you know I am a woman who loves and wants to uplift other women. Having girlfriends is something I've always valued, and also, I understand they require some work, energy, time, and attention. As with any other relationship, they need to be nurtured and cared for if they're going to be sustainable. This is why I'm doing a series called Conversations with Girlfriends. This is about me chatting with some of the women in my life. Some are based on specific topics or life seasons. Others are winding conversations that, well, can bounce around a bit. Either way, I plan to edit them very little because it's the rawness and the honesty that I hope to share with you. I hope you will enjoy being a fly on the wall as I chat with some of my very favorite lovies. I know you're going to find yourself and some experiences you've had reflected in some of these moments because we're all humans. And hopefully when we land the plane, you're going to take on the challenge that I'm going to give because it can change your life and the lives of others. Let's get started. Hey lovies, today we are welcoming my friend Heather to the podcast today where we are going to talk all things friendship, especially when it relates to when you break up with an organization you're part of. Heather, why don't you tell them how we met and became friends? Okay. Hey, Tammy and Tammy's listeners. Tammy and I met, I think it may have been almost two years ago now. I know. We were taking a class together and they created uh, essentially accountability groups and we were part of the same group. We are the Wonder Women and Actually, after the cohort was finished, we continued our every other week meetings because we all just love each other and we actually meet now to more support each other and help each other move forward. So that's how we met. Yes. I talk about the Wonder Women all the time on the podcast because we're we're people that would have never met in regular life, right? Because no one lives near each other. I mean, heck, Karen even yeah. lives in Australia. So like no one lives close. And we just all have different jobs and different passions and different life seasons. And also we just work. Yeah. Like it just works and we have fun. And sometimes we're mean to each other in the best, kindest, loving ways. And sometimes we make people cry. I won't say who (laughs) makes who cry, but we just, I just think that, yeah, we really have just got to this point where we just support each other. So love wonderfully. And it's just, it's just all the hard eye emojis. It is. It is wonderful. I look forward to those calls all the time. Those are the ones that I'll tell my husband, no, I have a call tonight. Whatever it is, we can't do because I have a call tonight. Yeah. And even if I'm not feeling it, like I've had a bad day or I don't feel good by the time you get on the call and you get off, you're like, oh, that was worth every minute. Oh yeah. The laughs and the, how we help each other and just support each other. And Cause like you said, we all have, we all started that class to start a business mm-hmm. and not all of us have, um, we're all in kind of different places and doing different things now. And, um, but we're still there loving on each other and supporting each other and pulling each other forward. And it's a very, very important part of my life. And I think, I think we all feel that same way. I don't want to speak for the other women. We'll speak for them and say, yes, actually it, yeah. we're all, we all feel the same way. So. 
Uh, well, tell me a little about uh, your business and where you are so that people kind of have a frame of reference for what you do. I have actually been working in marketing for about 30 years now. And so what I do is I help people sort of create that next step and their, create their strategy for what they need to do to move their businesses forward with things like marketing and business plans. And I also have a podcast as well where I sometimes talk about marketing and things like that, but I'll also talk about my spiritual journey that I'm on, which has been very interesting and unique and I'm learning as I go. So everybody on my podcast is on my journey with me. Yes, definitely. And you and I just finished recording an episode for your podcast about when you start to deconstruct your own fate. And that is a perfect leap into our conversation as well, because I want to talk about how, when you break up with your church you're in, <laughs> in particular, how, how do you navigate those friendships? I guess it's like divorce, right? You break up with somebody and sometimes you lose a bunch of friends, but also sometimes you keep those friendships. So it just, honestly, it, it's kind of messy and not just because it's church, but just because it's people. Yeah. I find it really messy. And when, when we had that happen a few years ago, it was really odd because our church really did feel like our family. And there were several people that we were really close to, and we were part of a small ministry. So we were very, we were very embedded in that ministry. I mean, I remember a coworker telling me one time, she said, it's almost like you have a part-time job. You know, you were always there and you're always doing something with it. And it was true. We were always there. Our son was always with us. And so when our, you know, quote unquote breakup happened, it was, it was hard for me in particular. I tend to attach to people harder and faster than my husband does. And um, he compartmentalizes a lot easier than I do, I think, but um, hashtag man. Right. And of course, <laughs> some of those were, were girlfriends, you know, and I also, it is a little different for me. I've lost a lot of my family and my parents have both passed away. And I was one of three. My brother is still living, but I've, I've lost my sister. I've lost lots of aunts and uncles and things like that. So for many years, I had always sort of felt on my own. I mean, I have my husband, I have my in-laws and they're a great family and they've accepted me as one of their own. It's, it's not that, but I had this longing for a family after losing mine and I had been raised in a church. So a church was almost an automatic place for me to go. And this was one of the first churches that we were adults in, you know, I mean, I had always been in a church as a child, you know, but I was an adult now and navigating that myself. And so when these people became like my family and like people, I felt like I could call and rely on. And these are the people that are always going to be there for me. They had become almost the replacement for my sister that I had lost, I think. And so when that fell apart, it was, um, I felt like I was mourning a loss again. And so for me, it was, it was remarkably difficult to lose those people. But then there were other people in the church that they actually didn't understand what happened and would, you know, Facebook usually um, message or send a little Facebook greeting or something. And, oh, we miss y'all so much. We wish y'all would come back and we'd love to see your face and all those things. And so part of you is trying to be happy because you've got all these people that want you back and they're, they're ready to welcome you. But those aren't the people I was so close to. Those aren't the people I had that relationship with. So I had to kind of go through a mourning period to 
reconcile those feelings and accept the responsibility of the role I had played in what happened and how to deal with that rejection all of a sudden from those people that I thought were with me for the long haul that was that was very difficult for me to to handle um like I said my husband came out a little better than I did but um but for me it was uh it was like being it, it was a gut punch well, first of all, I want to applaud you because I think a lot of times when we go through messy breakups like that, we don't stop to uh, look at our own part that we played in it. And I think that that's, you know, a whole adult thing to do. So good on you for doing that. I think that it makes sense that it felt like a bigger grief because it was kind of like losing what made up your family again. Yeah. And that that was the hardest part. I had been rejected. I mean, you've been rejected by friends before, you know, I mean, you're not going to be friends with everybody that you meet, but I'm one of those people that I feel like I should be everywhere I go. I make friends. I have work friends from, you know, 30 years ago that we don't see each other as much anymore, obviously, but, um, we've connected on Facebook. Thank God for Facebook. And, you know, I still keep up with those people to this day. We, we at least keep up with each other's kids and what's going on in our lives and whatnot. So yeah, the very real reality that these people were rejecting me for something that I actually didn't do. Um, kind of some false information was going around. And then of course, that's when I reacted in the way that I did that, that I'm not proud of. Um, and of course made it worse, but that was really hard for me to reconcile and to figure out. And I, I think the only way I knew to react was, was the anger and the hurt. And I found it very unfortunate that I felt like no one on sort of that side of the table recognized the part they were playing you know, we've talked about this before too. I think sometimes you hold people at a church to a higher standard and perhaps we shouldn't because they're just people like us, but your leaders in the church, I guess I had a higher expectation and maybe I shouldn't have, maybe, maybe that was on me to, to hold them to that higher place and put them on that, that little pedestal, but it did. <laughs> so now is having to deal with that fallout. Yeah. I think I've always struggled with this whole expectation thing. My friend Jenny and I have had this conversation ad nauseum because you read self-help books and different things. And they're like, you shouldn't have expectations of other people. That's your problem. And you're going to be let down. And also I feel, shouldn't I have expectations of people I'm in relationship with? I don't want to be treated like hot garbage. I'm going to be nice to you. You be nice to me. If I fall down a flight of stairs and I break my leg, can you bring me a cup of soup? <laughs> and I think, and I, and I fully recognize, like I'm the friend that, that typically goes an extra mile. That's who I am as a person. I don't even have to like you to go the extra mile. So you don't even have to be my friend, but I'll, but I want you to be my friend and I'm going to do my best to make you my friend. So I get that it's not fair of me to expect from other people that extra mile that I naturally choose to give. But also, can I expect something, Heather? You know, I think it's, maybe it's human nature. Maybe it's not all humans. Maybe it's people like us. Because I do this at work too. You know, you go into an interview and they ask you, what's your greatest strength and what's your greatest weakness? And I'm always like, mine is the same thing. I, I expect perfection, not only from myself, but from others. If I'm putting in this much work, I expect you to as well. You showed up 
you're getting the paycheck. Right. You know, I sort of expect you to put the work in. And I guess when I look at something like a church, we're there to learn, to be better people, to serve communities, to be examples, to be the hands and feet, to be all of those things. So if we're not doing it in our own doors, what are we projecting when we walk out? And that's myself included, okay? I'm not harping on anyone because we're all human and we all make mistakes and all the things. I mean, I'm not trying to bash on anyone or any church or anything like that, but should we be held to a higher standard as Christian that this is what God has taught us to do? And so when I've walked in that door and I've put in the effort to the relationship, I'm there. I'm doing the part-time job as my friend called it. I guess I expect you to show up as well. And when you don't, if you have a reason, (laughs) okay, we all have reasons, but that reason can't always be me. You know, at what point is that reason you and you have to own that, that, you know, I'm pissy today. I'm in a bad mood you know, and they're somewhat rude to you. And okay, you're all family, you deal with it, you move on. But it's when you don't move on. And when they don't come back that I don't understand. And maybe we weren't part of the right click. I know I see a lot of churches that have clicks. And these people have known each other for a 1000 years, you know, and suddenly you're the new guy. And it's like, did I not break the surface of the click properly? Did I not? I was left questioning what I had done wrong. And at the end of the day, I did do things wrong. I did. I'm a human. I did things wrong. But so did they. And so at what point do we meet back in the middle and and own that and figure out how we're going to move forward from that? But yeah, to answer the question, I do have that expectation. And I think it's okay for me to have that expectation. You walked in the door. You showed up. That kind of lends itself to an expectation, you know? Yeah. I mean, I know that I led book clubs a lot in uh, when I was in Georgia and there would just always be the one person in the group. Everybody would come. They would have done their reading. They'd be prepared to have conversations. And then there's the one person like, doesn't even know what book you're on. Right. And you're like, holy handbag. Can you please not come? Just don't come. You aren't participating. You're just annoying me. Just please don't come. And I know that's not fair. And we all can learn from other people if they didn't read the book and blah, blah, blah. I understand all of that. And also you chose to be part of this group. You knew what the assignment was and there you are not doing it. So yeah, I think that that's where, I think that's where I struggle with expectations of people, you know, especially people I would consider friends. Yeah. And I'll admit, um, and this may be often a different tangent, but I've actually had that happen recently over the past few months I'm usually not the person that shows up and prepared okay I'm the rule follower I'm the and this is what you expect me to do therefore I will do that I I will excel I will make an A I will be the teacher's pet I'll be all those things and I'm actually taking a class (laughs) with some friends and it's every week and I'm perpetually behind and it's making me crazy because I'm not used to this, but I just have so much on my plate and I've talked about this to other people. I have some long COVID issues, so I'm struggling with some health issues where I'm also perpetually tired. <laughs> I'm struggling to keep up. And one of the things that I find so fascinating is these people have shown me so much grace. They do not care that I'm not prepared. They can usually look at my face and tell whether I'm having a rough day because I usually look tired or don't. And if I have nothing to contribute, they just 
okay we just move on like I just don't contribute that night I take notes I listen to what they're doing I come back later and do it on my own or whatever and um they have shown me so much grace and so much kindness that they know me as the overachiever too because they've known me for a few years as well and they know that this is not me this is not my normal way to show up to things but the fact that they've been so willing to just show me that kindness and I think they know that deep down I need that group they're very close friends all my friends are online friends now I don't really have a lot of friends that are in my personal space anymore and they are one of my group of online friends and I think they know that I I need them and they need me and so okay so right now I'm not really carrying my weight right now so they're gonna carry me (laughs) for a little while And the interesting thing about it is it's a group of spiritual friends that are very much outside of church, very much outside of that realm. They're very much in a different part of sort of my life. And so when you talk about the expectation of a church and whatnot, I'm getting what I need from people that are very much outside of a church setting. And I find that fascinating that they accept me with open arms and with all my flaws and like I said, right now they're carrying me. And when I feel better, I'll carry them or I'll participate at a higher level. And that's okay because that's what I can do right now. So they're okay with it. And that has been one of the most fascinating things in the world, that that psychology of it to watch the different groups and how they've handled it. Yeah. I mean, I do think we, if we're part of a church, we do put we just, we have higher standards that we hold people to. And you're right. It probably is unfair in a lot of ways. Although I would say, I feel like the leadership of a church should be held to a higher standard because they're the leaders, you know, just as the president of an organization should be held to a higher standard because they're the president, but the expectation part is hard. And I guess in all fairness, if everybody in the group comes in with their own expectations of how this should be, because in particularly it's a church group, that's going to get sideways fast, right? Like fast, fast. So what do you need in a friendship? Like, what do you really look for in a friendship with another woman? Probably a lot of grace, at least right now, grace and understanding. And that sometimes I'm just, life is going to get in the way or these health issues, whatever it is may get in the way. And we were supposed to have drinks one night and that didn't happen. And it's not a... (laughs) it's fine. (laughs) It's all fine. It happened. I hope you feel better. We're moving on, you know, and that kind of understanding that we're all busy and we're all, we have our own issues to deal with, but to still be there for each other when we can show up. And on then on the other side of that, don't, don't be the friend that forgets the call though, you know, take a step back sometimes and and not let life be so busy that you just let that friend down all the time and things like that you know I mean a lot of sense but I guess I just need somebody that would that kind of understands that we're all in the same place and give each other some grace and some understanding to just this is the friendship we're going to have because this is what I'm capable of right now yeah that's a season though Yeah, yeah it's a season you know it's not a forever we used to have a group of friends that were childhood friends and all the rest of the group would schedule everything around this one friend. And then inevitably the friend wouldn't show up. And like, after a while, it gets annoying, right? It gets really annoying. 
And so what I learned, especially when it comes, as I do this dance, trying to understand expectations and what's reasonable and not in friendships is about boundaries and how important it is because I'm extra, I'm extra in a lot of ways, but like, I typically am also extra in, in being there for other people and, you know, showing up in their lives for them. And I don't have, I don't, it's almost never reciprocated. Right. I'm someone, I feel guilty about that because you do that for us as, as Mm -hmm. our Wonder Women group, you know, how many times have you texted me or messaged me just to, you know, Hey, how are you doing? I know you had a rough week. And there are times when I have guilt because I know, (laughs) I know that you have your, your struggles too. And I'm like, I'm a bad friend. (laughs) I haven't checked on her in days, but I think you understand that, but I don't, I guess, and I'm one of those people, I don't want someone to feel like that means I don't care. It means I got busy and I honestly just didn't think about it or I thought about it, but I wasn't going to call you three in the morning or whatever, you know. Sure. And I say thank you for that. (laughs) But I think all of us, um, as much as that's what we need, that's what I need. I, I need to be aware of being a, a good friend to someone. If I want them to be a good friend to me, I need to be a good friend to them as well. You know, I need to ask the questions and because I do care. It's not that I don't care. I just never asked, you know, and so, but I need to show that more. I need to make sure that people see that and are aware of how much you care about them because you never know when they, you never know when they might just really need that and need Mm -hmm. that moment. You know, even if it's just a, Hey, I only had a second. I just wanted to say hi. I mean, I've had that lift my spirits many days where someone has just taken a second even though that's all they had, but that one second lifted my spirits enough to get me out of a a funk or something. So. Right. Yeah. I think that, I think I've always struggled with that part and, and like it relates back to expectations because for me, I'm just like, it's not that hard people. If your friend says like my friend the other day said, Oh, my dad's going to have a PET scan on Wednesday. So And like, I have to do it in that second because I'll forget about it. Grab your phone, Wednesday, 7 p.m. Check on Christy, see how her dad's pet scan went. Like to me, it's so simple, especially given the fact that we have a computer attached to our arm all the time. And also I know not everybody thinks like me. Relationships aren't as important to other people than me. Also, I'm in a different season of my life. I'm a single person. I don't even have a pet. Sadly, please someone buy me a dog and then pay to take care of it. Please, please, please. So I don't have littles, you know, that need all my attention. I don't have middle schoolers or high schoolers that are going to 22 activities a day. I don't have a spouse, but hey, Hugh Jackman, I'm I'm not opposed to you. I don't have those things. So I have more time. So it is different. And it's not fair for me to judge how other people aren't behaving just because I have that capacity to do it in this minute either. Right. You know, I think your point about you think to do that. And to be honest, I, I think some of it is the way some of us are wired. It's not, mm-hmm. I forget to do that. I don't think to do that. I don't. And some of it's busy. Some of it's just, I think we've all gotten caught up in our own little worlds. You know, we're in that little silo. We're in our little world where we have our stuff going on, whether it's husbands or, or kids or whatever it might be. And I think people just don't think. They often don't think outside of themselves. And they don't mean it to be personal. They don't mean it to be a slight. They just, they just don't think about it, you know? And, and I think that's on all of us to take that moment and take that breath now and again. And 
we've got to start considering other people, whether, whether they're our friends or not, is actually irrelevant to that conversation. And, you know, just other people in general and consider what's going on with them and what's going on with their life and how that might be affecting their reactions and what they're doing, how our actions may then affect their lives. But like I said, it, irrelevant of friendships I think many of us have gotten caught up in me 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 my life what's Mm -hmm. going on with me and we simply we either run out of time or we waste too much time or whatever the excuse is but we don't we don't hold up our end as we should yeah do you find that having relationships, particularly female friendships, do you think that's harder now than it was when you were younger or when you had littles or you were in school? Absolutely. And most of my friends are somewhat seasonal. I I think I said Facebook earlier. I've been able to keep up with some people that way. I have friends all over the country. So there's people that, you know, you met them in college, but now they live in New York. So, you know, they were part of your life in that season that you were together. And most of them have not really endured beyond that. Um, I have work friends that have not necessarily, again, other than that, just basic keeping up with each other. Probably my best friend from childhood. We're still friends, but we don't, we rarely get to talk. We're just so, we're both just super busy. We don't live in the same town. So, it would be easier now because my child is an adult. So it would be easier to have those friendships now. But I sometimes find it's, if you're not in the same season of life as that other person, you know, now I have time and they don't (laughs) or something like that. So um, it's always been a challenge for me that the people sort of in front of me were really easy. But then once we moved past that, once I graduated from college, once I, you know, I lived in, a different town for many years. And once we moved from there, it changed. So it's always been that way for me. It's always been sort of a seasonal thing is the best way I know how to put it. Yeah. I think for me personally, since 2015, I've moved twice and it's hard because it really feels like for me, at least it feels like if you're the one that moved, you're responsible for maintaining the relationship because you left the circle. So it's on you a hundred percent to keep it all going. And well, that gets exhausting. Then I can write all these narratives in my head. We talk about false narratives here on the blog, on the podcast all the time. And then I just make up all kinds of stuff. And 99.7% is probably just all craziness happening inside my brain. And also it feels crappy. It feels crappy. Yeah. And it's just, I mean, when I had a child and It's not just that though. There's so many other things that have happened. I mean, when my dad passed away and I was dealing with, you know, settling in a state and I was driving back and forth between his home and and my home and, you know, dealing with kind of all the challenges that went with that. And, you know, work has always been sort of crazy for us, my husband and I both that um, we've always worked kind of odd schedules and things like that. And so I've always... I guess had a had a struggle with maybe timing and I could only it's like I could only juggle so many people at once you know um sure I have a family member that recently had a baby and so I've been focused on that person for a while and so I ended up kind of neglecting another friend that 
I had been um, spending a lot of time with. So now I'm trying to kind of, you know, tilt the scales back that way. But I struggle to, uh, to find the balance between work and business and family and then everything else just kind of falls in another category. So I struggle a lot with that, finding that balance and still being able to take care of me. Sure. Cause yeah, we have to make the list too, right? Now, are you someone who likes deep friendships or shallow friendships? Because I think some people just like to have 742 friends and some people have two friends that they can discuss the theology of bees. I don't know, something random. I always call it like, are you in the shallows or are you in the deep water with people? I feel like I'm mostly in the shallow because the reality is, and this is a me problem, most of the people in my life, it's actually going to take a while before you really know me. And I kind of keep people at arm's length. And as much as I'm an introvert, I'm an extroverted introvert because I work in marketing. So I have to be extroverted, but I would actually probably rather just be by myself. So I've had to kind of learn to socialize, but I'm also that person. I need to be friends with everybody. So I'll talk to people. I'm friends with people. I have work friends. I have a lot of old friends I went to school with, like I said, Facebook, that that I care about those people. I care about what happens in their life. And I love that they share what's going on um, because I like having that knowledge. I like knowing they're okay and things are all right with them or something's going on and they need some prayer. Okay. You know, I got you. I can, I'll put you on my prayer list here. You know, we can do whatever you need. And I'm one of the first people when something is going on. What, what do you need? What can I do? How can I help? I'll, I'll be there as soon as I can get there. You know, I'm one of, even with those sort of shallow friends, um, I'm, I'm in, I'm ready to help whenever you need help, but it's actually very, very few people that really know me and that really know the depth of me and I do that probably on purpose I don't really want a lot more than that (laughs) I like having a lot of those shallow friends but the the deep ones because I really have to trust you to go that far yeah I think first of all you said that this was a problem with you I I don't think it's a problem I, I think there are people who are shallow friendship people And not shallow as in like you're shallow in vain, but like just that's the level of depth you want to go in relationships with them. And and a lot of that has to do with time and commitment and the capacity and the stewardship of your own time and resources. And there's also people that just can't have shallow friendships because they only want to have two people and otherwise they can't deal with it. So it's those people that are all in or I can't talk to you. And I think that neither's right or wrong. They just both are like everybody's different. And I think it's also that can also be seasonal. Yeah. And I think the depth situation is, is absolutely a trust issue for me. Yes. And that is a learned reaction. (laughs) So I've become much more guarded about what I share, when I share it, who I share it with. And part of me hates that because I, I wish I had more, I don't know if it's confidence. I'm not sure what the word is. I guess it is probably confidence in myself that, okay, this is me and you can take it or leave it. I've become much more like that. The older I've gotten, I don't play games with people. What you see is what you get. I'm not going to be a different person with somebody else. I'm not going to, you know, I'm just kind of done with the dog and pony shows. I'm just, I'm not doing that anymore. So I am who I am and you can accept me or you don't have to. And I think in order for me to go deeper, I have to start to not test the trust. That's not 
but I have to start to understand if I can really trust that person because I have to weigh out if it's worth the judgment. That's horrible to say, isn't it? No, it's not horrible to say because it's honest. It's not horrible to say because it's honest. But if people are going to, you know, they find this out about me and then they're going to end up judging me or dropping my friendship, you know, I just invested a lot of effort and time and, you know, hurt and all those things into someone that can potentially hurt me deeply. So yeah, it takes me a long time to get to that point of I'm willing to say things there's no one that knows me, not even my husband is the only one that knows me to any depth. I have a couple other people that, that they know quite a bit, but anybody, and he still doesn't know everything. So it's, it's, I'm very guarded, which is odd for the kind of the type of person that I think I am. <laughs> so but, you know, honestly, I think that's part of the challenge in female friendships is that we've, we've been burned enough that we start to put some walls up. You know, and I think coming out of a situation where you were part of a church group and then things got twisted and went south, that's a deep wound. And especially like as you consider them your family, that's an even deeper wound. And so being willing to trust again is just, it's just hard. Let's just say what it is. It's freaking hard. It is. Yeah. Well, the ministry that that we were connected to, there was also kind of a different connection in my life and a different part of my life that had to do with with my mom and my mom I was very 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 close to my mom it took me years to come out of that depression after she died it was it was horrific um for me and so I think the fact that there were some other things tied into all this that they weren't even aware okay these people were not aware of that they didn't know that all that was going on internally So, uh, and I didn't even realize it at first, but all of that ended up being tied in together. And so I think that sometimes can be the challenge for humans is that it's, there's so many layers to it. It wasn't just about what happened at church. Right. It never is about the family issue. It was about this, you know, this thing so important to me and tied back to my mom, which brought that pain up. And it was just Oh my gosh. Some in, in the, the feeling of um, the imposter syndrome and the whole, um, every emotion you could think of just about ended up being tied to that. And so, um, that makes it even harder because the wall went up immediately because I needed to protect myself. And so working my way through it, which felt very one-sided because I wasn't talking to those people anymore was even more difficult because you're going okay I have to process this I have to figure out what part I played and then separate it from what part they played and then try to figure out now what do I do with it and how do I grow from it and how do I change that next time and how do I do it so that I don't create it as a protection mechanism with everybody that I meet (laughs) right there's no one wants to live with their fist up that's what I would say It's, it's just not really living if you have to live with your fist up constantly right what would you because you've admitted that you have a part and they have a part, what would you do differently if you could rewind time and have the situation play out differently? Or would you do anything differently? Knowing what I know now, I think I could have done it differently because I do recognize I've done work, you know, some, some inner work and whatnot to start to recognize my triggers and recognize things that are trauma responses and things like that. And so I've also just grown as a person. And so handling that conflict, I think would have been just handled very differently because there's a, 
a confidence in myself that I have now that I, again, I can recognize, okay, you're being triggered. You need to take a breath and you need to look at this differently. You need to look at this from their point of view and understand why it's happening that way. If I knew what I knew now, (laughs) I would handle it differently. You know, if I hadn't gone through all these things and hadn't, you know, worked on those parts of myself, it probably would have played out the same way because my anger got involved and my ego got involved. And at the time, I don't know how would I would have undone that part of it. Yeah. I mean, once the ego gets involved, we're all in trouble because <laughs> the pride comes in and then you're like, oh no, you didn't. And then it's over. Yeah. It's over. <laughs> yeah. What do you wish they had done differently to be better friends to you? I wish they would have looked at it from my point of view instead of sort of blaming. It was easy to just blame us and just, well, I mean, they did this and we don't have time for that in this group or whatever. If they would have just talked to us. I mean, I had somebody message us not long after all this happened and say, look, I heard y'all were leaving the church. What's going on? And that was not true. We we had not been for probably a couple of weeks. We were just taking a step back and trying to reevaluate and kind of get our feet under us again. And so when I when I was told that and they had no reason to tell me that, I mean, it's completely unsolicited, which led me to believe that things were being said. Like word on the street was. <laughs> word on the street is. And so why couldn't you just come talk to me? Why didn't no one come and say, hey, what can we do? And some people did. We had a couple of people reach out and, and they tried. There were some things that I think at that moment weren't going to be repaired later when when some of the wounds are not quite so fresh they mm-hmm. they can be in fact those same people we've we've reconnected with and um friendship is very different <laughs> it's kind of a surface friendship right now but it's it's progress and i'll take it so it's not to say that no one reached out but i wish they could have looked at it a little more from our point of view and and been more family been more you know what we're all mad. Let's take a step back and let's come back to the table when we've all cooled off. But that didn't happen. Yeah. I, honestly, I think that if we could all sit at a table with a smidgen of critical thinking skills and rational thinking, and we could just be like, let me put myself in your shoes. And then I'm going to have you put yourself in my shoes. Cause I think once we can see that in a, in a relationship, it's easy to see where the wires got crossed. You'd be like, oh my gosh, you thought that? That is not what I intended. Oh my gosh, you thought that? I am so sorry. I would never have, to, I mean, I don't know. It seems like adult communication, but I just don't think we we do that very often. I agree. And I think it, some of it, you know, the ego thing happens, but then there, when you're, once your feelings are hurt, I think it's hard for all of us to come back and be honest about it. I think it's hard to look somebody in the eye and say, you know, that was a dick move, you know, and you hurt me, you hurt me deeply. And sometimes at that point, you can't even articulate it because you're, you can't move past the anger. And I think there's too many of us that aren't willing to sit and have an honest conversation and be willing to say the words of you hurt me in this way. And I need you to hear this. And then be open enough to then hear an apology, if there is one, to actually hear it and accept it and say, you know, not hold that grudge. Look, they apologize. You've got to, 
you've got to accept that or if you don't that's on you right you know and sometimes there's I think where it's really hard is where there's not an apology where there's not a closure there's not an ability to go and give your side of the story and explain why it went down the way it did because there is no communication from the other side to me that is so much harder than you know <laughs> standing in a room yelling at each other you know it it's so much harder because it's so one-sided and then you're having to process all of that with just what you know and you're missing so much of the equation you know and so to process okay what did I do like I said process what I did wrong and then separate it is one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life yeah and I think especially if you come from a trauma background like I do and like I know you do as well there are triggers that we have that sometimes we don't even know we have until someone pulls it. Right. And so you're like zero to 60 and a nanosecond. And you're like, what is happening here? This feels totally out of proportion. And also it's real and it's happening. And I can't, I can't call the train back now. And it's really hard, I think, to separate that. And I do, I've heard people say before, your triggers aren't my problem, which in a lot of ways, I fully understand. And also when you know people's triggers, how about we not try to pull them constantly? That'd be nice. And I think if we're not willing to be vulnerable in the relationship and we don't let people really see and know who we are, they're always going to be stepping over those tripwires. Yeah. And I mean, I, I do agree that because your triggers, you're I'll always go to the place of your projection. What you're projecting onto me is not my problem. But as a human being, isn't it somewhat my responsibility? Maybe not responsibility. Maybe that's not the right word. But I kind of feel it a responsibility to at least try to discern what's going on with that person. To look at them and go, okay, they're pissed. <laughs> you know, something obviously triggered them or they're projecting this onto me. And let me see if I can figure out why. And I know you and I are somewhat similar in that we, um, we have somewhat, I guess, empathic intuitive type abilities that we tend to be able to read what's going on with someone like okay they're probably doing this because it has triggered x response in them and they're now projecting that on me and I can either come back at them with anger or I can try to diffuse the situation and come back at them with something that's more filled with love and and grace and try to help them whether they realize it or not kind of through that trigger but it took a lot of work on my side to even recognize to do that mm -hmm. and when you consider how many people in the world aren't doing that same work right they're just mad you know so I I struggle with that a lot but I guess I felt like I that's why I said responsibility that I've done this work so now I need to use it not only to make my life better but I might even make somebody else's life better but at the very least I'm going to be able to navigate things a lot easier because I can recognize a lot of it. It's still hard for me to be vulnerable, but I'm learning in those moments that sometimes I just need to speak my truth and say, look, I understand where you're coming from. I understand you're angry right now. I need you to hear where I am and at least try to have, even if the conversation won't be had to at least diffuse what's going on. Yeah. I think honestly, none of us especially we're all in the same age bracket-ish in our Wonder Women group. But so I would say like, we weren't taught this. 
emotional intelligence has only become a thing recently. Now it's, it's always been a thing, but it's, it's only become a thing that we actually discuss and try to work on, but not everybody wants to work on it. And so we're all just these bumbling adults who don't have any skills to sort this stuff out. And I think that it's easier to throw a relationship away than it is to stay in the fight, the messy middle, as Renee Brown likes to say, in the arena, getting your ass kicked. It's a lot easier just to be deuces. I'm out. Yeah. And I think you have to decide what relationships are worth it. Maybe that goes back to that trust issue I have that I, I have to start to decide what, what relationships am I willing to put the effort into? You know, how much are they giving me on the other side that, that I feel like, okay, if I keep working at this, this could actually be a real friendship. Or is it just going to be one of those, you know, we work together, we have kids the same age and so we have things in common and we're going to have you know surface level conversations and that's great but they're not really going to be someone that becomes terribly significant in my life and I was about to say that someone's going to change my life and I just thought that's that actually not true because just learning those things and learning how to navigate those relationships it does change my life because it changes me it changes who I am and how I talk to people and how I you know, I may learn something about that relationship that can help me handle another one. Right. Yeah. They should all be learning building blocks, right? We should learn something and take it forward. I was going to ask you, would you say that going through this experience and as much pain as it caused, are you a better friend because of it? But I feel like you've already basically said, yeah, because you learn from it. Yeah. I mean, I try to be, I don't, I don't want to do that to anyone else. Right. And not just what I received. But what I gave, you know, I want to give in a more constructive way to the relationship. But then if it does go south or something happens, I want to be more constructive in how I deal with that challenge. And at what point I decide to walk away or what point I decide to fight for. Because some things are, I believe, seasonal. I mean, you've said that too. And it may just be a point where whatever usefulness it had in your life has played out. And that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. I just don't want it to end negatively. So now that's not to say that I do that right every time and that the ego and the anger doesn't come out at times because it absolutely does because it's part of who I am. But I try much harder and I think I recognize it a lot faster. And sometimes the train does leave the station and there's not much I can do about it. And I'm along for the ride and have to kind of figure it out now what I'm going to do now. But I'm much quicker to, to, to own my own part in it. And one thing I've found too, and maybe I'm imagining this, but I have found that the fact that I approach things that way now and approach a lot of friendships or just relationships at work or whatever in a different way and in a, in a more positive way, in a more thoughtful way that I'm trying to consider the other person as well, that I'm having that reciprocated more. I can see that it it could this could get scary really quick. <laughs> and I see them back down because I don't I don't participate. I don't participate in their little anger or their little temper tantrum or whatever's happening. <laughs> I just don't participate. You know, and I have seen I have seen people treat me differently, I think, because I'm approaching them differently. I I believe that's what's happening. And so I think there's, there's truth to that, that if you, if you handle it differently, 
if you go at it that way, then often that's what you're going to get in return. Yeah. So I heard someone say once you can't have a war unless two people are participating. So if one person just doesn't, as we say in our family, engage the crazy, then that person just to either knock it off or just go be crazy by themselves, whichever they can choose. I really try myself to, and sometimes to the detriment, I'll be fully honest, assume the best about people. And that means, yes, I would probably have assumed the best about Ted Bundy, Jack the Ripper, and most of those other people too. For sure, I would have. Like my daughter always says, if anybody's going to find themselves in a cult, it will probably be me because I've just believed the best of people. But I think that if we just assume that everybody's, for the most part, really trying to do the best they can with the information they have, with the tools they have in their toolbox, with the hands that they've been dealt with their own trauma triggers, everybody's really trying to be and do the, the very best that they can. And sometimes we just, we muck it up. It's just that yeah. simple. And how many of us go through our lives? Like you said, we, we haven't been taught. I can't tell you the number of times I've watched somebody go through some kind of, you know, inner work process or something. And the realization on their face, when they figure out that the reaction they had was a trigger or was a trauma response, but they honestly did not even connect that dot until that moment. I, I mean, I'm astonished by how many times I've seen that happen, that you don't even realize what you're doing. And most of us, I think, are in that, that situation. Like you said before, you know, we just, we haven't been taught how to navigate these waters. And so I, I actually love when that happens, because I believe at that point, there's a healing that's going to happen for that person. And it's going to make their life better now as they move forward. So um, not that I wanted somebody to have the trigger or the trauma response, right. but the fact that you see that realization and they, because then they immediately start going, how do I fix it? Because now they understand it and they want to fix it. And so it's actually a really, a really special and beautiful thing to see somebody process that and start to understand how to process that and what to do with it moving forward. And um, I always love, love seeing somebody go through that kind of healing. Yeah. Cause that's where the growth is. I mean, that's the only way we find growth is when we're aware of what the problem is, the trigger, whatever you want to call it. And then we're like, oh, I see you over there. I see you over there. And we're going to do something different this time. And I'll say growing up, as I've talked about on the podcast many times, like I'm a trauma survivor. So I would say I was a terrible friend. I was selfish because I only knew how to survive. Like that was the only mode I could operate in was survival. And so I was a terrible friend. Maybe I overcorrected now because I'm like, I will be all the things to all the people, perhaps an overcorrection, but I I'm sad for those friendships that, cause I know that it's just take, take, take. And now I'm so hyper aware of it. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't be the friend I am today. Had I not realized like, oh, you're living in survival mode and you can't be a good friend because you're, you're trying to survive every situation you're in, which means you're selfish. I mean, at just a basic level, it's just the way it is. And now I can be a better friend. So yeah, I'm here for, I'm here for the realization and the growth that it brings. Yeah. And the first time it happened to me, it was just such an aha moment, but I know what you mean about the survival mode thing. And I think that can be somewhat cyclical in your life too. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it's a seasonal or, or, or cycle, however you want to call it that you know, just like I'm kind of having some health issues right now. And so I'm right. not as attentive as, as I might normally be, 
but you know, you can always tell on days I'm feeling better <laughs> because I'm more attentive to people in my job and all the things. So yeah, I think we all have to just um, continue to to love each other and show some patience for each other as we go through these processes. And and I remember one time, and obviously it's different because it wasn't a friendship, but my dad and I didn't always see eye to eye, and he could be a very I learned a lot from him. I really did. And I love, I loved him a lot. I mean, he could be a very difficult man. And I remember the first moment that I, I walked away from an encounter we had had. And I thought to myself, why can't he just, and then I stopped myself because I thought, because he can't, because that's Mm -hmm. not who he is, because what he's capable of, the love he's capable of giving me is what I'm receiving. And I'm going to be grateful for that. And once I realized that and was able to move forward from that, our relationship was different from that day forward. And I think sometimes we have to do that with our friends as well, that this is what they're capable of giving me. I'm going to be grateful for having that person in my life. And I also think we need to be bold enough that if we need more to ask for it. Oh, yes. That's a whole word right there. Because it's, a, I think, especially for women in particular, we're not taught A, to ask for what we want. Oh, no. <laughs> we're, we're not allowed oftentimes to have wants anyway. And I just think that understanding the capacity of what someone else is capable of doing and not making it mean something about your own self-worth, ooh, that is probably one of the biggest I think it could be the biggest game changer in relationships if we could figure that out because oh, yeah. it's just not personal then, right? It's all they could do. My daughter, Alexandra, she's, she's always been so good at that, even in our family dynamic. And she'd be like, why would I get upset? They're not capable of doing that. Why would I get upset that they're not doing it? And I was like, because they should be doing it. Obviously, that's why you should be upset. Yeah, but the reality is people can only do what they're capable of doing until they've done their own work and have grown that capacity. And I think a lot of friendships would be better if we could accept that. Yeah. And it's one of the hardest things to accept because like, yeah. like we've talked about, you know, the expectation, the the desire and, and all of those things. And, and I think it also, and it's not just telling people what you need, but I think if you're really in a friendship and it's a friendship that you value, I think you also have to listen a little bit to that other person and realize that, you know what, they may need a little love right now. Let me, let me give them a call. And if someone shows up on your heart or your mind, you know, you all of a sudden Tammy pops in my head, you know what, there's a reason for that. I'm going to reach out to Tammy. God's given me a little nudge that I need to reach out to Tammy. And so I think we all just need to take a breath sometimes and be a little more attentive to others, you know, not just living in our own, our own little worlds, but, you know, step outside the silo now and again. Yeah, for sure. My friend, Jenny, who was part of my renegade scoundrel group in Georgia, she was our, the sage of our group. And she told us once on your deathbed, there'll be five people beside you. Like that's the average who, what five people would you want there with you? And so of course, then we all because we all thought she was the bee's knees. Like we are all like, am I one of the five? Am I, did I do good this week? Am I one of the five? It became this buying for the spot, but like, she's kind of right. Like when it all falls away, like who are the five people you want there at the end of the day? Yeah. And those are the relationships you for sure have to invest heavily in. Yeah. 
And those are, you know, and a lot of times in my life, and and I guess there was a time when this would have been different, but right now in my life, that would probably be my husband and my son. I'm not really sure how far it would go beyond that. Yeah. I mean, that's what she would say. Cause at first she was like, I don't know that all of us would say there's five people we'd want at our bedside. And, and I was like, Oh, I would want there. But like I said, a lot of my friends are online. I mean, they're, they're all over the country. I mean, look at us. We're, I don't even right. know how far apart we are, you know? And so would I love for you? And there's a couple other people that come to mind very quickly to be in my bedside. Absolutely. But I think I also have to realize that you live hundreds of miles away and that that may not be a real possibility and that's okay. Yeah. I'm just going to spend the rest of my life though, trying to fill those five spots. (laughs) That's my job. I'm going to be like, okay, five spots. Who's going to be there today? Okay. Yeah. Cause I want, I want, I mean, I just, I want to matter. I want my life to matter. I want the relationships I built with people to matter enough that they'd want to be there instead of be like, you know, I got to get my nails done. My Kroger order set to pick up that day. You don't want to be that kind of person, but yeah. yeah, I think it's hard. And I think the older we get, maybe, maybe I'm wrong in this, the older it, we get, I feel like the harder it gets, which is crazy. And I don't know if maybe like, we'll circle back around. Like when you get to retirement age, you just have extra time on your hand though. Who can retire in our economy this today? But that's a different podcast. Does it circle around where you have more time to have more people? I don't know. I don't know. I wonder that too. Cause I've often thought, well, once I retire, once I, you know, if I had a business where, where I could work at home all the time, where I wasn't tied to an office and all those things, you know, would I have more time for my friends or the people that I know. And the truth is all my friends would be working. So it wouldn't right? do any good for me to be home. They're, <laughs> they're at work. So um, I don't know that it gets easier. I really don't. And it's not always up to us. Right. That's the piece that I struggle with. It's not up to me. I can reach yeah. out. I can ask people to go places. I can start conversations. I can, there's a million things I can do. I don't know how receptive it'll be on the other side. There's going to be times where people are going to reach out to me and I'm, I'm, I'm not going to be able to respond. Right. Yeah. We forget that we do the same thing to the other people. Right. I always feel though, sometimes like Meredith Gray, pick me, choose me, love me. You know, I feel like we, we jump around doing that, but we don't always hear the other people jumping around saying it and us pay attention to it either. So yeah, get over it. McDreamy's not coming for us. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. It's a tough thing though. Friendships are, are what's the word conundrum. I struggle with it and I'm glad we're having this conversation because I think they are hard. And I think a lot of us don't really know what to do with it. And I think a lot of people that I know have, they have that little close group of friends, you know, anywhere between two and maybe six people, probably ladies. They probably all live in the same town and everything though. Right. And they do things, they go have wine, they go do stuff, they make a point of it. But like you said, one of them moves away and suddenly the group's only five, you know? And so I think we all have a lot of the same challenges and, and I don't, the only answer I know is we just, we all have to work a little harder at it. Yeah. I was going to ask you if you could give one piece of advice on friendship, what would that be? And maybe that was just it just love people the way you would want to be loved and get out of your own head sometimes and out of your own space and remember that other people are going through the same, most likely a lot of the same issues. 
And sometimes just that one moment or that one act of kindness could make a difference, maybe not even in their lives, maybe in yours. So I think we just have to pay more attention. My podcast from last week was about like being present so that you can catch those moments of magic. And I think that's what we all need to be doing, especially in a world that's moving at breakneck speed. Yeah. Put your phone down. Right. Put, Put your, your phone, phone down. down, people. Put your phone have down. Have a conversation. Have a glass of wine. Have a have a cup of coffee. And if if the phone's in your hand, then it better be because you're messaging somebody. Right. You know. Put the phone down. Look people in the eye and and really hear them and really love them. Yeah. I heard someone do a challenge once and I was like, oh my gosh, we need to do this. Throw down a challenge. Well, I'll just throw it down right now because I can. Every single day. When you wake up, before you check socials, before you do all the things that you normally do, message one person and tell them something awesome about themselves. What's it going to take you? 12 seconds in a week? You just made seven people's lives better. I was at Trader Joe's the other day and there was this mom with a little, and she was just stunning. I mean, she was fully made up. She looked beautiful. And I just looked at her and I was like, excuse me. Cause I feel like a creeper, especially when they have kids, right? Like I don't want to be like creepy. I just want to tell you that you are absolutely beautiful. She almost burst into tears and she was like, thank you so much. You have made my whole day. That was a stranger. Take 10 seconds in the morning, message someone in your life to tell them something awesome about them. Go on about your day and the ripple effects I think will change the world. I agree. And, you know, I've actually, I started doing that. It's been a couple of years now because again, introvert, but when I would see someone complimenting their hair or their, mm-hmm. oh my God, I love that blouse. Where did you get that? Or, you know, cause I mean, we're Southern, we could ask those things and, you know, right. but just, and I would try to do that every time I went somewhere, which I don't go places a lot. I'm always at work, but you know, every time I went somewhere, find someone that I spoke to or said good morning or gave a compliment or something, but at least one person. I like the challenge of a message every morning. Every I morning. I like that. I mean, cause it could be like to your second cousin twice removed. Mm-hmm. Hey, I just wanted you to know, I was thinking about you today. I would just say, start in your contact list. Start today, yeah. go to Z. It's not that hard. And here's the thing. If you can't think about one thing nice to say about them, delete them from your contact list because they probably don't need to be in there. They probably shouldn't be on your friend list. (laughs) Unless it's like your boss or something. Then you got to like keep them around or, or it's your spouse if it's an off day and you're not feeling positive thoughts. Right. (laughs) Okay. So that's my challenge. Heather, we're going to link all the goodies about you, your podcast, Ballyhoo Bridge for all you guys listening. Yeah. We're going to link all that down in the show notes because Heather's awesome. And she's my friend and I'm determined to move from the shallow waters to the deep. And I love her. And I love you too. And thank you very much. This was a lot of fun. It was fun. Now let's go make dinner because it's dinner time. Thank you again for being here for Conversations with Girlfriends. I hope you will accept the challenge to send a message to a friend every single day. Let's start a tsunami of calling out the beauty in other women so that we can all rise together. 
Thank you so much for listening to the Coming Out Gold podcast with me, Coach Tammy. I hope you enjoyed our time together today and learned something you can take action on to live a better story and that you will come back next week for another episode. As always, check out the show notes below for the links to my social media platforms, as well as the link to my website where you can check out the blog version of the podcast. If you're looking for a coach and are ready to make some real changes in your life, head to my website at rscoachandstrategist.com to book a free discovery call. And if you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving it a review and sharing it with friends on social. Be sure to tag me though, so I can say thank you for helping grow our community here. Now go be the superhero of your own story because the world needs the awesomeness that only you bring. It's your time to come out bold.